Wagwan. What's happening, fam? What's going on, folks? It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent December 13th in the year of our Lord, 2020. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Wagwan. It's happening. You know what day it is? Happy birthday to J.R. the P. Happy birthday, J.R. the P. Go off pitch there. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Barbiturates and champagne in my stomach and presidential jizz. Happy birthday to you and many more on channel four and scooby-doo on channel two a round of applause a little preemptive a little a little jump in the gun there a round of applause folks <laughs> Woo! jr the p turns three three years old today folks Hallelujah. It's been a blessing. It's been a ride. It's been a roller coaster. All thanks to y'all. Y'all the dear listener. Y'all the dear viewer. You know? We're spitting some shared experiences, you know? We're relating as kindred souls. We're becoming best friends forever. Yeah. And as y'all know, the show is available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, my own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. And if you're enjoying the show thus far, you know, getting a couple laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, you know, please help my black ass out for crying out loud. Share me with a friend. Sharing caring, folks. You know it truly is. <sighs> tell you folks it's hot it gets hot when you're under them cameras boy you know them lights them lights beyond a motherfucker you know gets hot yeah so you know as this is the third year anniversary of jr the p you know i'm gonna speak on a theme which i find relatable to myself, as a actor, stand-up comedian, extraordinaire, performer to the bone, ladies and gentlemen, and damn proud of it, you know? Actor, stand-up comedian, podcaster. I'm going to speak on a theme which is relatable, you know, to the performer, and in a general sense, to a human being. <laughs> If you consider people in show business as human beings, um, this is a theme that is universal. I'm going to speak on the idea of story. <clears throat> Came out a little muffled. Story. I'm going to speak on the idea of story. And furthermore, loving 
your story. Across industry, whatever it is that you do. Loving that tale as old as time. So to be the least, both a little scared, neither one prepared. Beauty and the beast. Tale as old as time, folks. As that fucking teapot crooned and sang to you as a child. Tale as old as time. Story. And loving your story. You gotta do it, folks. You gotta love that story. Especially in these times of, um, you know, unrest. I mean, I, I personally don't think there's anything to squawk about. I mean, COVID-19, pretty much the same old darn thing ever since we heard about it. You know, what was it like? March, early, you know, January, February, March, early 2020. We heard about it, you know, came out of the Wuhan city or province or God knows where, China. You know, was it bats? Was it the Paglolian? Was it the fucking micro biologically engineered weapon in a Wuhan laboratory, whatever the bumblecut blood caught fuck way it came about, you know? Well, um, especially in these times of unrest and uncertainty, you got to love that story, your personal Genesis. You know what I mean? Is that what Genesis means, story? I think so. You know, because like in these times where it's like we're scrambling and scrounging to make tops or tails of the damn bloody thing, you know, life, you know, it's important to, you know, rep that background, rep your hood, you know, represent yourself, represent you. You know what I mean? Because generally speaking, nobody's going to do it for you. You know, there are a lot of great people, a lot of great people in this world, a lot of good intentions. But generally speaking, when it comes to, you know, putting your agenda forward, you got to be the spokesperson for your own life. You got to love your story because nobody else is going to do it for you, you know. Tough beans, kiddo, you know? We all got our, you know, mountains to climb, beasts to tame, dragons to slay, you know? We all got our burdens. You got to carry that weight. So that's what I'm going to speak on for the majority of this podcast, you know? The news cycle as of late, as I mentioned, I personally think, you know, COVID-19 is pretty much the same situation as it's been since early 2020. It's a disease, a virus, flu-like symptoms that affect the elderly, the obese, and the poor of health. Unfortunately, it's sad and um, it has some devastating effects. But generally speaking, 
There are a lot of people who recover from it quite swiftly. And the numbers are being fudged and inflated and over, um, overblown. And, you know, what's the lesser of two evils, you know? Is it to live in fear and indefinitely or is it to, you know, kind of take life back and try to, you know, get out there and reopen society, get out there and sing, dance, go to a concert, go to a fucking McDonald's restaurant. When was the last time you got to sit down at McDonald's and eat a fucking Big Mac? You know, like I'm a pescatarian. I only eat like, well, I can have a fish filet. You know, I can grip a fish filet and maybe a small fry. And when was the last time I was even able to do that? Kick back at a greasy, dirty, dingy McDonald's with some fucking homeless person, you know, peering at me from over my booth. Hey, buddy, you got a quarter? Get the fuck up out of here. I'm eating my fish filet. You know, when was the last time you got to enjoy a fish filet at McDonald's, you know, in the company of the homeless miscreants that mull about, beg and scrounge and scrimping for change? When was the last time you got to do that? No. It's takeout only. No concerts. No Christmas. No nothing. Lockdown. You know? And yeah, it's overinflated and it's, um, you know, it's been politicized to control people during this time of like what is going on between the United States and China. There's something going on there. Hey, there's something awfully squooey going on around here. Bah. Oh, that wascoey Wuhan wabbit. There's something going on there. You know what I mean? President Donald Trump. <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> Donald Trump. President Trump, you know. He made a speech on YouTube like a week ago. He titled it possibly the most important speech I ever make. Something to that effect. And he's just like, okay. No one is more happy at this controversy, this election scandal, than China. However you make tops or tails of COVID-19, it's pretty obvious it's been politicized as a political weapon to destroy, disturb, disrupt global economies. And there's some kind of off we squilly little thing going on here between China and America. There's some kind of weird little thing going on there. I don't know what it is. I can't connect the dots. I'm not deep state. Oh, hell, I don't know. I'm just a fucking moron with a vodcast on the third year anniversary. JR the P. Just some fucking knucklehead, bonehead, bozo with a fucking podcast. I don't know. But don't take no fucking genius. Don't take no fucking political science major to point out the fucking obvious. COVID-19 is a political weapon. It's what it is. It's overinflated and it's overblown. And yeah, there are some unfortunate casualties, but the numbers are inflated. A lot of people recover quite swiftly. They fudge the numbers. They fudge medical documents. You know, you can go in to a hospital dying of a coronary fucking heart attack. 
but yet, you know, they treat you for a, or they test you for a COVID-19 test and somehow that gets conflated with your actual diagnosis. Bunch of fucking hogwash as far as I'm concerned. And yeah, I wear my stupid fucking mask, you know. <laughs> I social distance, I wash my hands, but I don't live in fear. I'm actually kind of to the point where it's like, I wear my mask indoor. I wear my mask where I'm required to. Like if I'm taking public transit, if I'm going into a grocery store, I wear my mask where required. I social distance. I wash my hands. But like when I'm walking down the street, I'm not wearing no fucking mask. I social distance. I mean, the other day it was like pouring rain, barely anybody around, and then you look at all these people through the mist of the rain. They're wearing masks. I'm like, it's fucking raining. There's nobody outdoors. You're under an umbrella in a fucking torrential downpour. And you're wearing a fucking COVID-19 mask? Yo, where's your head at? You know? Wake up, fucking doofus, doorknob, fucking dipshit, bird brain. Gosh darn bozo. Like, fucking grow a pair and... You know, take your life back. But anyway, suffice to say, the news cycle is kind of tired, beaten down. You're kind of seeing it. A lot of the stories that are popping up in news feeds are just very lackluster, lackadaisical, lopsided, lousy, you know, rotten, shiftless, good for nothing, you know. Wipe your ass with it, you know. So, you know, for this episode, granted it's the third year anniversary, I want to speak on The idea of story, loving your story, and moving forward into this post-pandemic world. And, you know, as an actor, stand-up comedian, extraordinaire, podcaster, it's very vital, very important. And I hope it's relatable to everybody out there from any walk of life, you know? Um... I'm a, I'm a working person. You know, there ain't no mis, there ain't no mystery to my machine. I just go for it. I do it. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's fucking lopsided, lousy, lackadaisical, lackluster. Sometimes it's for the birds. Sometimes it's for the dogs. Sometimes it's for the demigods. Sometimes it's like crystal. Weird. (laughs) Sound like a meth head or something. Sometimes it's crystal. But like, sometimes it's, uh, you know, as a recovering alcoholic, sometimes it's just fucking buzzing, you know? Sometimes it's just like beautiful. And that's what I strive for. So, as I mentioned... Overall performer, actor, stand-up comedian, podcaster. And how does that story fit in? Well, something that was very valuable that an acting coach once taught me. I had this acting coach in thespian school. I went to thespian school, acting school. So, you know, I was studying due diligently as a thespian. I was taking like this, like, acting class and 
one of the assignments was like um you had to like write like a one man or woman 10 minute play it's like a write a one one person play and perform it for the class and i had mine down pat i found i felt very confident so i didn't really want to let the goodies out of the bag you know i didn't want to perform too much of my my performance my production because if during rehearsal the class sees it then it then you miss the element of surprise you know i didn't want it to divulge too much of my process i just wanted to go up there and spit it when it was time to spit it you know I, did, I wanted to have that element of surprise. Well, my acting coach, you know, he gets all his fucking panties all in a twist. He's thinking that I'm I'm not doing my homework or I'm not trying to do the project. He thinks that I'm basically ill-prepared versus the truth of it, which was like I was really over-prepared. I was feeling very confident. I just didn't want to ruin the element of surprise by showing my material. He fucking flips out. He's like, what the fuck? You know, ah, fuck. And he like throws a chair at me. I'm like, whoa, you know, easy, buddy. He's like throwing fucking chairs. And like, he th- he was drinking a little chubby, you know, little chubby. Like, you know, I think I talked about this before. Little chubbies are like um, these little fucking juice boxes, right? Or these little tiny, like 150 milliliter, 150 milliliter little bottle of juice. A little chubby. So he was like sipping on a little chubby, but I guess I kind of ticked him off. He's like, what the fuck? And he throws a fucking little chubby at me, right? I'm like, whoa, right? I'm like, the bumble cut fuck's going on, man? Like a chill. He freaks the fuck out, right? Like he was kind of a temperamental old geezer, but he had a lot of wisdom, this acting thespian coach of mine. And this is like relatable to anybody. He goes, in a different situation when he wasn't fucking attacking me. You know, I remember one time in class, like, he was just talking and pontificating. And he goes, you know, as an actor, artist, as a human being, as one who walks the earth, you must ponder, you must question, you must ask yourself at the root of your soul, do you love the art in you or do you love yourself in the art do you love the idea of yourself in the art or do you love the art in you riddle me that folks when you when you love yourself in the art you know you're kind of Putting on airs, putting on writs, you know? Consumed by what other people think and say. Doing things for the cause and effect, you know? Everything I do is based upon others' approval. I want to be seen, I want to be heard, I want to be paid attention to. I want the acceptance of others, of course. Jared the P, Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. My hope is to grow this podcast into a vehicle that entertains people, gives value to people, and gives me 
a sustainable outlet to be creative and to have a productive career. That's my goal. So yeah, it's important, but it's not my overwhelming, overriding concern. I mean, don't take a genius to know to look at some of these numbers, you know, um, as grateful as I am for them. They're humble and they're growing. And um, every little like, every little extra subscriber, every little tit for tat, you know, goes appreciated. It goes noticed and it goes appreciated by me. So thank you very much for your likes and your comments and your subscribing and your views. You know, it's very humble. It's very humbling and I enjoy it. But not at the, uh, but I don't, I don't seek, I don't seek a general approval from society at the cost of, you know, my core values. So that's me loving the art within me versus loving myself in the art. And I live those days. I've, I, I live those days of like bohemia, my bohemian phase, where like, you know, I said, I am a recovering alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, I'm four plus years sober today. I'm four plus years sober. But back in my drinking days, you know, it was like, you know, that's one of the, um, I guess you can call it, well, it's, you know, much like this podcast, it's relatable to everybody, you know, um, every, it's, it's a, it's a very human falter, you know, to get swept up in an addiction. Mine was alcoholism. I drank for 16 years, you know, from the age of 16 to 30. And, you know, oh, sorry, from the age of 14 to 30. So 16 years I drank. And um, I could call it, yeah, my artistic phase or my bohemian phase. You know, I was just trying to silence some of my demons, get that inner peace that I was seeking, that calm, that stillness. It just, I don't know, it just, it made me feel normal because there was a lot going on with me, right? But that's, you know, that's a blanket excuse. That's, you know... People of every walk of life, construction workers, lawyers, doctors, um, accountants, tradespeople, you know, daycare workers, governmental employees, um, you know, multimedia, IT communications, retail, bartending, every industry, there's people with addictions. It's a common thing when a person is disconnected from themselves in a very general sense and very quickly here i belong to a you know 12 step society 12 steps of recovery the first step being number 1 we admitted we are powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable once you Accept that, truly accept that. It frees you up for the other steps. So, you know, I have a background in 12-step recovery. Today, um, 
I have a connection with my higher calling, God. I believe in God. Now, 12-step recovery is not dependent upon um, a belief in God, a belief in a higher calling. 12-step recovery is um, purely about recovery. No one's interested in your personal beliefs, your personal faith. Nobody's pushing religion upon you. I personally have found refuge myself personally in God. I believe in God. And um, that keeps me on the straight and narrow these days. That's my main form of recovery today. I have a background in 12-step recovery. I don't really attend meetings anymore, but um, I do recommend it as um, a very useful tool. You know, there's many ways to skin a cat. Many ways to skin a cat. There's many ways to seek recovery. 12-step is a great starting place, and who knows what the future holds. I may return to 12-step meetings. You know, I'm not, I'm, I still consider myself a part of the 12-step family, that 12-step solution. I still consider myself a part of it. I just don't really go to meetings. Um, I don't really read the literature. Um, my eggs are all in one basket, you know. I love the Lord, you know. That's me personally, right? So that's what's kind of going on there. And, um, you know, in them bohemian days of loving myself in the art, you know, you'd be burning that midnight lamp. The morning's dead, and the day is too. There's nothing here but the velvet moon. All my loneliness that I felt today is more than enough to make a man give himself away. I continue to burn that lamp. Oh, living such a drag. You know, when I was burning that midnight lamp, getting sloshed, crunk, drunk, chain-smoking cigarettes, you know? You know, token joints. (laughs) Getting drunk. You know, around the fucking clock, getting sloshed, blotto, you know? Three sheets to the wind, stinko, you know? I was getting stuccoed to the fucking ceiling every gosh darn night. For 16 plus years, you know, every night, every day, every night for like the last three years of my drinking, you know, (laughs) the last three years of my drinking, I was drunk every day. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds funny to say and weird to say and kind of unbelievable, unbelievable in a sense. But like, think about that. Like, imagine if right now, y'all dear listener at home. Imagine if you got drunk right now and you remained drunk for the next three years into the future. (laughs) I did that at one point in my life. I was drunk every day and every night for three years. And if I wasn't drunk, I was blackout, passed out, or like 
in a crippling hangover. So it's like, <laughs> that was all a part of that bohemian searching phase. And luckily I came through it. And, you know, I guess in that time I was searching for myself. I was loving the idea of myself in the art, you know, dictated and consumed with what other people think and what other people have to say about what it is that I do and who I am versus just the true nature of my story. Loving my own story, loving the art in me. You know, I'm just some blockhead fucking dipshit who, you know, who's pretty good at performing, has an interest in it, has a desire to get better at it, and I pursue it, you know, via film, stage, you know, vodcast, podcast, writing, you know, I put pen to paper, jot things down, you know, many mediums that I'm coming at you with, you know, many different ways to slice and dice you, you know, and that's me loving the art in me versus loving myself in the art. That was my experience, not to say that that's for everybody or everybody would or could fall victim to that. I mean, it's your story. That's what I'm talking about here. You got to love your story. Because no one's going to love it for you. See what I'm saying? Like, what if I didn't pull myself out of that tailspin? I was nosediving, drunk every night for three years, barely getting on stage as a stand-up comedian. I'd get on stage like maybe like once or twice a month. You know, um, not going out for auditions, not even really trying to get any work as a, as a, um, as an actor. Like I was just like relegated to getting drunk by myself and making crazy, I guess it was like the infancy of my podcasting days. You know, I, I got a USB microphone, a USB microphone. I got a microphone. I hooked, I hooked it up to my computer and I... I just rant and rave in the drunken hours of the fucking midnight lamp, burning that midnight lamp, high and drunk at fucking one o'clock in the morning, just rambling on my crazy blatherings, trying to make a show. I don't even know what I was doing, just trying to be expressive in whatever capacity I could, you know, loving myself in the art. I was doing more than that, too, like... um if you dip back into the lexicon of Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, at that time, um, I was playing in a, it was like a, I don't know, it was like a, it was like a, I guess you would call it like a, somewhat of a, it was like a noise project. I guess that would be the only way I could really describe it. It was like rants and beats. You know, I'll post a link to it. You can check it out when you get the chance, you know. Dip back into the lexicon of Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. During this phase of mine when I was drunk for three years straight, I was doing like this noise project thing where it's like I would do these rants that were accompanied accompanied 
by a drummer, you know? We called it primal gruntings. It was like a live ranting, drumming kind of performance. It wasn't like a band. It was like a noise performance of sorts. So I have some very interesting links. I can post you to that. And suffice to say, it was a very tumultuous time. And had I not pulled myself out of that tailspin, I wouldn't have had been able to seek that peace, to, speak, to seek that spiritual inner life, to seek God, to seek recovery, and to come forward into the present day where I love my story. I started from the humble beginnings of just being some fucking bright-eyed little fucking weirdo fucking doorknob wanting to be a actor. I did it through high school, did it in college, started doing stand-up comedy. Got a little carried away with the loving myself in the art, the bohemian, the bohemian, the the bohemian lifestyle, getting drunk high, hanging out with weirdos. You know, living on a razor's edge. Bouncing in and out of men's shelters, you know, drunk and high around the clock. Straighten myself out. Coming into present day here, you know, I got a podcast, three plus years of um, podcasting. We're going into three years and plus and counting. Three years of podcasting. Um... I, I put myself out for acting work. I do um, taped auditions. I audition for things, you know, and um, I am plotting my own path of um, incline, you know. I am on the eve, on the precipice, moving into 2021, of starting my own production company. Yes, some of the beginning inspiration, fodder, you know, some of the beginning gumption. If you check out my channel on YouTube, Jonathan Ramcharan on YouTube, one of my playlists on my channel is a new segment, a new playlist and a new venture that I'm doing outside of the podcast, which is connected to everything I do anyway, but I am doing unboxing, demo, and review videos. And so far, they've been very successful. The first one is close to 300 views. That's something new. And it's a new approach, and it takes a lot of different energy and editing and performance and production value. That's like, you know my first little step and I'm looking forward to doing the sky's the limit yeah production you know become a filmmaker get into that driver's seat beep beep you know get into the driver's seat seat and, you know, make it happen.
And, um, you know, I got a lot of ideas. And furthermore, I am, um, you know, boning up, you know, boning up, you know, different books, you know, pantomime. This is a book on pantomime, you know, I have ideas to um, do some, you know, acting skits, comedic skits that I want to film and produce, you know, have to do a little bit of uh, physicality. That's what pantomime is. It's a form of theater, a physical form of theater. Think like Mr. Bean. Think of like a mime, like physical comedy, physical acting, pantomime. So I know I'm boning up on my pantomime, you know. Uta Hagen, respect for acting. You know, I'm boning up on my acting, reading different things about acting. Um, this is a tough book in that um, I began trying to read it several years ago. Now, you know, putting knowledge into your head is always a good idea in some sense, you know, the more you know, right? But the thing about this book is it's, um, it's designed to be in real time. You read a chapter on like, um, for example, entrances and exits. Think about it. A lot of times you watch a film. The character is walking into a bar. Well, the character is not just... There has to be some background to the characterization. You're not just stumbling through a fucking door, ho-diddly-hum... Like, what's going on in the inner life, the inner emotional life of that character? What happened prior to the character entering the bar? And how does that come through the character? And how does that be portrayed on screen? You know, you can laugh and roll your eyes and think like, what the fuck kind of stupidity is this guy talking about? But this is really the difference between good acting... And bad acting, you know, you fill in the blank. Whoever your favorite actor is, they didn't just fucking whoopsie doodle fucking plop out of the sky. They considered and thought and worked on some of these concepts. One of the concepts being, like I'm saying here, entrances and exits. Entering and exiting a scene. There has to be some stake. There has to be some subtext. There has to be some emotional inner life. It has, there has to be some sort of essence there. So what this book does is it explores various concepts that the actor faces, much along the lines of, as I mentioned there, but it's in real time, meaning Uta Hagen, famed, renowned acting coach, one of the famed, renowned acting coaches of the 20th century. I believe she founded, uh, what, what was it, the HB Theater? H Theater. Legendary actress and teacher Uta Hagen knew that an actor's finest work was often achieved for love rather than for money. You can say that again. Uh, she lived the philosophy alongside her husband, Herbert Berghoff, at HB Studio, their acting school in New York. It was there that they created a workplace and spiritual home for actors such as Robert De Niro, Jack Lemmon, Anne Bancroft, and Bette Midler. See? She was a wellspring of knowledge, this Uta Hagen. 
You know what I mean? And these are some of the concepts that make up good acting. Engaging, thought-provoking, captivating acting. It's what makes the actors work pop. It's what gets your fucking blood flowing. You know, that's what gets you invested in a film when you're watching. So that's what, you know, an actor would strive for. That that authenticity. That she sells seashells by the seashore. She sells seashells by the seashore. She sells seashells by the seashore. That's what an actor would strive for. That captivating essence, that authenticity, that realism, that emotional inner life, right? So the thing about this book, though, what I'm trying to get to is it's in real time. The way Udahaga, Udahagen wrote it, you are to, um, you know, you read a little bit about a concept and then she wants you to stop and then go do the exercise. Go try it out, test it out. It could be a little bit, hmm, you know, back in my bohemian days of loving myself in the art versus the art in me. Back in my days when you couldn't tell me nothing, this book kind of got on my fucking nerves because it's like, look, don't tell me what to fucking do, especially from the grave. Like she was like long dead <laughs> since, I, <laughs> since I read this book. You know, she lived a great, beautiful poignant, meaningful, and, you know, legacy life. But, you know, she had passed away at the point of, like, you know, she's commanding me from beyond the grave to go do this, go oh, fuck off, right? You couldn't tell me nothing back in them days, right? So I'm very excited to return to this and, you know, be the actor who has respect for acting. Respect for acting by Uta Hagen be dipping into that you know food for thought and in terms of being a filmmaker i got a fucking look at this fucking thing you know as thick as that fucking you know thick as your neighbor's ankles you know look at this fucking book look at that fucking book you know that's a fucking book on digital film making you know Oh, I got a fucking. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Got to fucking cram that into my fucking noggin in the next little while here as I move towards um, my journey as a filmmaker. Starting my own production company. And, um, you know. It's all part of the story. Yeah. Like I said, you can't depend on your... You shouldn't depend on. Why would you want to? Be, be self-reliant. That's the better option. And if people want to help you and gravitate to what you do, whatever you do, that's a bonus. But you got to be in your own corner, fighting for yourself, fighting for your right to party. Forgive me. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to just do your ting. And, um, yeah, loving that story. 
that story within you. Because everything I'm saying here, I close my eyes Only for a moment and the moment's gone All my dreams Curiosity Dust in the wind All we are is dust in the wind Same old song Nothing lasts forever It's all just dust in the wind If you don't value it You think someone was just going to walk up and hand me, hey, you're a talented actor, talented comedian, talented, um, you know, person, performer. Do you want a podcast? And better yet, let's give it a very catchy, snappy name. Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. What do you say, buddy? Can I give you a podcast? Do you fucking think that was going to happen? That was never going to happen. Didn't matter how many times I had proven myself in various communities, in various mediums, you know? And again, you know, humbly, you know, I'm talking about within a very humble scale. Didn't matter. Nobody was just going to walk up and hand me my dream. It was my dream, my story. And I had to have value in it. And here we are, three years deep. And that's relatable to anybody out there. You got to love your story. Not always easy. Get a little tricky from time to time too, you know. People want to criticize you and step in your path and, um, you know, Tear you down. Agents of evil. But yo, they they, <clears throat> they come around, but they never come close to. You know what I mean? <clears throat> you know, they only have the power that you give them. Negativity. Negative people, negative situations, they only have the power that you give to them. And a beautiful thing can happen when you transcend all that to the point in which you just see what it is. It's just like, oh, okay, this person is just negative and they want to take it out on me and I get it. If I was struggling the way they were or are, then maybe I would have a negative outlook and want to tear other people down and criticize others too. I remember, like I said, when I was loving the the idea of myself in the art versus the art in me, when I was in them days, like, I was all about... I, I, I had really gotten kind of bitter towards the end. Like, I hadn't always been that way, but the last three years, the last three years of my drinking, I was very bitter. 
I don't think I wore it on my sleeve. I think I just kind of wore the mask just to get through the day. But when I was alone with myself in those lonely hours, getting drunk and high by myself, staring in the mirror at fucking one o'clock in the morning, just... Fucking lousy, rundown, shiftless, spineless, good for nothing. You know, fuck, why is that fucking clown got what that clown's got? What, am I not fucking, what am I fucking chopped liver over here? <laughs> fuck these motherfuckers, you know? Fuck these dummies. You know, I had so much resentment and, you know, I was like of a victim mentality. And I fought imaginary opponents. When the truth remained that, generally speaking, nobody was against my career and nobody was really for my career. Nobody really cared. It was just kind of like, yo, if, if it's going to be, it's going to be, and it's going to be up to me. Very much like it's up to you. To love your story. I can't stress this enough, folks. Are you taking notes, by the way? Hope you're taking notes here. Because, like, that's another thing. Like, I'm not completely free of, you know, loving myself in the art. You know, I still yearn for them days of, you know, cons, film festival, Oscar season, um, you know, working every stand-up comedy club in the city working every stand-up comedy club in the universe you know fucking starlets you know making piles of money um i don't know if i really get out of my mind maybe i'll go back to drinking you know (laughs) never but um you know in a deluded world in a delusion you know it's like (laughs) i'm king shit (laughs) King Kong ain't got shit on me. You were just like myself when I was your age, Jake. You were just like me when I was your age, Jake. Jake, come on, dog. You're going to be a sheep or you're going to be a wolf? Howl, dog. Howl. You got to let me hear you howl, dog. You got to hear me howl. Jake, you were just like myself when I was your age, Jake. Jake. Damn, Jake, I didn't know you liked to get wet. PCP, angel dust, you know. Y'all niggas be playing basketball in Pelican Bay. When I get done with you, jailhouse, nigga. I still yearn for them days, you know. <sighs> you know, winning Oscars, sitting cross-legged on a fucking late-night talk show talking about, oh, yes, well, when I first began acting as a young man, you know, I thought, hey, what a great way to make money and meet women. Uh-huh. You know, Every now and then the delusions creep back up, but generally speaking, I love the art in me. I love the idea of what is in me to do versus a manufactured sense of myself in the art. I could give a fuck less about it. You know what I mean? I don't even want to discuss it unless it's like, like for example... (laughs) You know, it's funny because, you know, you see people. Like, for example, I was on the streetcar. I was taking public transit this past week. And I ran into so many people 
loving themselves in the art. I saw a fucking like hack wannabe. He was like a luge rider. Like what do they call it? Luging? You know when they ride those long boards and they got the knee pads and the and the hand pads with the with like the plastic buffers so they can like slide and get low and put their hand on the ground when they ride. Like what do they call it? Luging or longboarding? I saw this hack wannabe loser longboarder slash magician. He had the whole fucking longboard get up. The knee pads, the fucking hand wraps, the fucking longboard, the helmet. But he was also like a wannabe musician or a magician. He had like a pack of fucking playing cards and he's shuffling fucking playing cards and doing magic tricks and shit. It's like, hey, hey, you fucking bozo, you ever play 52 pickup? Let me teach you a magic trick. Fucking fling the fucking cards all over the fucking streetcar. But like... You know, just this adult male seeking attention in public, like a complete idiot, like an ignoramus, you know? Saw this other dude sitting cross-legged like a fucking weirdo. He had a fucking beret on, a long trench coat, loafers, leather satchel, pulls out his leather satchel and his fucking pencil holder. Sorry, COVID-19. Fucking hairball. Pardon me, folks. You know, he's got that fucking beret, long trench coat, leather loafers, leather satchel, fucking pencil holder. Pulls it out, and he's sketching his little artistic sketches on the fucking streetcar. Knock it off. Give it a fucking break, Buster. Listen here, Buster. You know, you're an adult male. What in the fuck are you doing trying to seek attention from random strangers? You look like a complete fucking idiot right now. Oh my god, are you an artist? Oh wow. Eh. And he was just such a fucking weirdo. And I remember being a weirdo like that. You know, dressed up in a way in which I want people to look at me and walking around and I got to be seen. I got to be heard. It's like today I don't give a bumbleclut fuck. I don't give a bumbleclut fuck. I spit it on podcast, vodcast. I do my auditions. I try. I got my goals and my plans. But when I'm walking around in civilian life, I don't want any unwarranted attention. Those days are done. I don't try to entertain people that aren't looking for my entertainment. I thank you very much for your viewership. I thank you very much for your listenership. If you are here, it's because you choose to be. That's the way podcasting works. Nobody listens to a podcast if they don't want to. Nobody listens to a podcast out of a favor. That's just not the way it works. You watch a podcast, you listen to a podcast, if it's of value and interest to you. So I thank you very much for doing so. But like, I'm not going to just show up in your personal life and walk down the street and try to seek attention from random strangers. You know what I'm talking about, right? That fucking person that's just a little, 
they're just like a smidge too much, right? Just a smidgen too much. It's like, would you knock it off with the hairstyle and the fucking, the fucking get up and the fucking, you know, you got your fucking hair done all a certain way and you're dressed all like a fucking weirdo. Like, just, would you cut it out? You know, like you're not interesting. Like, why don't you produce something of interest versus just trying to be of interest? Forgetting the general principle, nobody's interested in anybody else. People are interested in themselves. Which is a good thing. You know, in my personal interest for myself, I am creating content that I hope is of interest to others. And as it expands, it could possibly employ others, create other opportunities for others. There's a wider range Yeah. It's not just all a bunch of arbitrary horse shit. (laughs) Despite what it looks like sometimes. Yeah. Well, anyways, folks. I don't know if I fucking beat it over your head enough, but, um, you know. Moving forward. Three years of podcasting. Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. From me to you, thank you so much. You've made this possible. You have. I don't take any of it for granted. I enjoy doing it. And um, I hope my enthusiasm, which is definitely there, is relatable to you and sparks your creativity for what you do. You never know, you know, are you going to law school? I might need a lawyer someday, you know? It might be nice to know, to know like, you know, a lawyer or like, you know, I don't know, are you a chef? Maybe someday um, I'll have a venture where it's like, you know, <clears throat> I'm doing a film somewhere on location and I need to cater a dinner for the crew. You know, maybe if I get to know these people within my realm, my networking, you know, like, oh yeah, I know this guy, he's a listener of the podcast or whatever, he's a great chef, a caterer, I'll hire him or her or he, she, whatever, right? I'll hire them to, you know, cater cater the production dinner. You know, things like that. Sparks. Drop it. Droplets, nuggets, you know, seeds of inspiration. And um, I thank you very much for your due diligence, your listenership. Um, More to come. More to come. As I told y'all, you know, I'm fucking knee deep. I'm fucking elbow deep in fucking acting, the Thorothids, you know. I'm fucking boning up on the old acting chops. I'm reading, I'm fucking rehearsing a fucking blue streak, you know? I got, like, a bunch of new um, equipment that I'm going to be purchasing very soon, you know, to, you know, help me along the journey, trying to fucking bone up on the whole film production, you know? I'm going to be, you know, doing a lot. 
And, you know, please do check out my new playlist on YouTube, Unboxing, Demos, and Reviews. Please do check out that new playlist, you know. Moving on up, folks. And um, I have a little pet project, a classic, a throwback. How far back? Way back. Taking you back? Way back. A throwback. I'm going to be doing a audio play. I have some audio plays. You know, again, you can dip back into the lexicon of Jonathan Ramchand on the podcast. J.R. the P. Snips on my YouTube channel. J.R. the P. Snips. I have various audio plays, vocal performances, audio plays in which I enact little stories that I wrote, little bits that I wrote, or I narrate a poem, you know. I got one just in time for Christmas. I'll post a link, you know. Twas the night before Christmas. Yes. Last year I did an audio play of the famous poem by Clement Clark Moore. Twas the night before Christmas. I'll post a link. But moving into the new year, I have a acting project that I want to do with some of the new equipment that I seek to purchase for the podcast, for the production going forward, production value. It's a classic short story, and it's going to take a lot of focus on my part because I don't want to half-ass it. It's a classic piece of text. It's a very dark, engaging famous, renowned short story. And if I'm going to put my name to it, perform on it, produce it, I'm going to give it my all. And, you know, a part of me, um, I'm excited, but I'm definitely aware of the challenge. And... I'm going to step up to the plate. I'm going to do it. It's going to turn out good, you know, because whatever I do is going to be good. I mean, you know that. So it's going to be good, and it's going to, I think, spark a momentum for more things to come here at JR the P. Yes. And that is relatable to all, dear listeners. And that's why it is so vital. Love your story. Hallelujah. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent December 13th, 2020. You gotta love the story. You gotta love your story, folks. Love your story. Hit me up. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. You got any questions, queries, or qualms? Hit me up. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. I'm available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, my own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. 
And if you're enjoying the show, as always, please help my black ass out for crying out loud. Share me with a friend. Till next time, folks. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for getting me to this point. Three-year anniversary. Jonathan Ramtran Podcast. You live it. You love it. You realize it. I. Hate. Yes.